Welcome to the Thinking Church podcast with me, Chris Bright. Thinking Church exists to help your church thrive by helping you think through key strategic areas of church life. Each week, I'll be talking through a different aspect of church life, along with some very special guests. If you like this podcast, why not subscribe, give us a rating, and give us a review as well. So, without further ado, get your thinking caps on, and let's get into this week's episode. Welcome along to this week's episode of the Thinking Church podcast. This week, Lee Button, our founder, was talking with Tony Morgan of the Unstuck Group. Uh, The Unstuck Group are an organization that are based out of the United States that are helping churches all across the world get unstuck by helping them think through their mission, their vision, their strategy. They are a sister organization of Thinking Church, and it's so great that we are able to be in partnership with them and we love what they're doing over in the States, and you should really, really check them out. Uh, Before we get into that, I just want to let you know that if your church is thinking of reopening its building after lockdown, then there are many things that you're going to have to think about. A lot of them are going to be things that are not easy to think about, and they're not going to be something that's going to come naturally to your mind. So what we've done is we've created a comprehensive checklist of all the questions you need to ask yourself before reopening the doors of your building. You don't want to just reopen them and hope for the best. You want to have thought through what you're going to do, how you're going to lay out the building, how you're going to you know, put all the markers down and all the things you need to to make sure that social distancing is in place during this COVID-19 season. So if that is something that will be of interest to you, just go to our website, www.thinking.church. And at the menu at the top, you'll see the COVID-19 checklist. And that will just take you through to the place where you can buy that checklist. It's £49.99. It's, uh, it's as comprehensive as a checklist as you will ever get. And we think it's going to be a massive help to you. Okay, so on with this week's episode. And this week, we're talking about how you can get your church less complex. Churches are very, very complex. But actually, by focusing on a few things, you will find that your church is more impactful. And uh, this episode with Tony Morgan, I think is gonna be a real help to you. So here's Lee Button's conversation with Tony Morgan of the Unstuck Group. So, um, yeah, nice to have you here, Tony. Uh, welcome to uh, Thinking Church. Um, we'd like to just kick off today and have a, a conversation and get some thoughts from you off the cuff on what it means uh, for a church to be moving and moving well. Uh, obviously, you lead an organisation called uh, the Unstuck Group, and you're about helping churches get unstuck. And obviously, that means getting them moving again. So I'd just like to Let's have an open conversation, take some thoughts and um, and see where we go with, with what it means to get a church moving. Very good. I'm looking forward to the conversation today, Lee. Excellent. So one of the first things, let's just like, we'll, we'll kick off with this, is as a church, when you're looking at movement, what does it mean and what does it take to get focused? How do we get focused? It seems to me that in the people I talk with, that actually there's there's quite a splattergun approach to to doing things and everything 
is uh, an option, um, but then it ends up being that we water things down. So we end up doing all of them to kind of like an average level. Mm -hmm. in, in, in your experience working with churches and the work with Unstuck, are you finding something similar? And what, what first steps do you take to help people get focus? So I think the, the key here, Lee, is not just to go in and start pruning, though I think um, it's, uh, it's always amazing to me that I see in the marketplace and businesses, businesses practice pruning all the time, and churches are res reticent to that, even though uh, it's a biblical principle. Uh, there is a time when pruning is appropriate to help get focus, but rather than starting there, I think the place to start is answering three key questions and uh, we have names to these questions but the questions are more important than names the yeah. questions are this why do we exist as a church where do we believe god's calling us to go in the future and how are we going to get there and uh the the names that commonly get used for those three questions are what are your mission what are what's your vision and what's your strategy but uh, i think the names that we use for those questions sometimes get in the way of really just answering honestly those three questions why mm -hmm. do we exist as a church where do we believe god's calling us to go into the future and how are we going to get there and the first two questions obviously are foundational before you can respond to the third question. But it's the third question where I see churches most commonly getting unfocused. Um, in other words, they try to do everything to accomplish the first two questions rather than figuring out what, what specifically is God calling us to do? How, how are we going to live out the mission and vision God's called us to? rather than taking on all of the missions and visions that might be reflected in the voices of people inside and outside of their churches. And that's, that's what's distinctive between churches and businesses. Businesses recognize we can't do everything. We have to get very good at doing one or two things and do, doing those very well. And then as a result of that, getting momentum the church, in essence, needs to get to that same spot where they recognize this is the unique vision future that God has for us. And this is how we as a church are going to see that accomplished, rather than trying to do everything else that every other church does as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I can totally uh, agree with that. And one of the things that we've seen with um, churches as well is that, that sometimes that when we get that shift, that while the church is in the process of sorting that out for themselves, there's not a lot that they're telling to the, those outside of the church. Mm. So it, it becomes um, when we've got this right, we can tell other people about what we do. Um, and so we're not inviting people along and helping that shape where we're going or what that might even look like. So um, we've, we've turned this loosely off um, some of the agile practices and things you might see in the business world, our minimum viable church, a bit like a company may create minimum viable products. And uh, so one of the things I would say, ask then is, as, as we move towards that and we're looking about what we need to get going and what we need to get moving, what are the, what are the non-negotiables? What are, the, what are the, the, the key things we need as a church to get going? What are the things on day one that we have in place that 
we've got something to run with and what things can we, we leave to shape um, in the future. Yeah, so I was recently having a conversation with a pastor here in the U.S. in the Phoenix area, and now it's a very large church. I, I believe they're, they have well over 7,000 people gathering, and they're meeting in five or six different locations. And I asked him this question, how, how, how do you stay focused? And I thought his response would be, was uh, actually, I was, it, was, it caught me off guard, but I think it would apply to any church of any size in that what he said is, I'm always trying to think like a church planter. And, there, and what, what's behind that response is this, uh, Lee, is that church planters rarely have all the resources they need to accomplish a broad vision for ministry um, they don't have a lot of people. Um, sometimes they don't, ha- they don't even have any permanent space. They're meeting in a portable location. And as a result of that, it gets to what you're talking about. They need kind of that minimal, minimal viable product or minimal viable church in order to live out the mission God's called them to. And so church planters are always thinking in focused terms. We have limited resources. There's only so much that we can do. As a result of that, they tend to be more entrepreneurial too than churches that have been around for generations. Um, they think they think more um, on the fly. They they think more uh, rapidly. I think about the changing culture around us, and they just narrow in on what's essential for their church to accomplish the missions God has called them to, and. As a result of that, um, what I you're getting to your specific questions. What's essential? Um, I'm going to share the barriers to health that I've seen in churches, and basically, I think the opposite of these are the essentials. Then, if I were if I were trying to get more focused as a church, one we've already talked about. Uh, One reason why churches get stuck is they don't have clarity about where they're going in the future, what God's called them to in the future. And so that the one essential, one of the five essentials is that churches have clarity about who God has created them to reach and how they're going to reach them. The second is um, the churches that get stuck don't have any clarity around how they're going to encourage people to take their next steps toward Christ once they connect to the church. In other words, there's not a a defined discipleship path. And I think that's an essential foundation for any church to know once people connect to us, wherever they are in their spiritual journey, we need to have a clear understanding of where we want them to go next in their spiritual formation. Uh, We need to work with the end in mind, basically. We want everybody to become a fully devoted follower of Christ, what are we going to encourage them to do to take their next step towards that full devotion in Christ? The third barrier that we see is churches are complex. I think that's the premise of this conversation today. And so um, the uh, third foundation for a church, uh, essential if you would, is is that they just remain focused, very focused on what God's created this church to do. And rather than taking on everybody else's agenda, actually what we do is we say yes to people more often. You need to pursue 
the mission, the vision that God's given you in your life. But we need to protect very carefully the specific mission and vision God's called our church to. And so we're saying yes more often to people to encourage them to fulfill their, the call God's placed on their lives. But in essence, we're saying no more often to us expanding our mission as a church. We want to stay focused on what God's called us to. Uh, the fourth area where churches get stuck is that they don't empower leaders. Um, we should be empowering everybody based on their spiritual gifts to live out those gifts within the body of Christ. But commonly in churches, for whatever reason, uh, I see uh, churches trying to constrain uh, people that have the leadership gift. And what, commonly what we do is we create a lot of structure many boards and many committees and and yeah. and we we make a complicated decision making process to try to protect ourselves from leaders uh when God has actually gifted those leaders with with the power to really help the church thrive and have increase and so uh we need to empower leaders within our congregation and then the fifth area where i see churches getting stuck is they turn inward over time and they only focus on the people that are already connected to the church rather than looking outside to the people outside the walls of our church who are not only outside the church, but many times outside the faith. And we lose focus on the folks that don't yet have a relationship with Christ. I believe that's our primary mission that Jesus has called us to is to make disciples. And so uh, it's impossible to have a disciple of Jesus until they have a relationship with Jesus. And that's our, one of our primary missions as a church, I believe, is to actually make disciples, to baptize people, and then to teach them, to encourage them to take their next steps, like I said, towards full devotion uh, in Christ. And so um, it's five. Maybe that's too many. Uh, but those are the five essentials, I believe, Lee, uh, yeah. that... Every church, every church needs, no matter what size they are, whether they're um, 50 people gathering or 5,000 people gathering, th those five need to be foundational to a healthy, thriving church. That's excellent. Uh, yeah, I don't think that, uh, I think when you've got five things like that, it's almost the simplicity of it that makes people think that can't be it. But it's like, actually, if you do that and you do that well, that's actually not too much to to, to focus on yourselves. Um, even with, yeah, like you said, with a, with a small staff and small resourcing, there are five things that you can still put in place. That's I just right. want to pick up on the one when you said about um, one of the barriers sometimes is that we don't empower leaders. Um, and I think that re that releasing thing sometimes I I've seen a bit of reluctance in people to um, risk with new leaders and let things do a, um, uh, say I don't really want to say lesser standard but like letting things go and I believe you've you've written about this before um, in one of your first books Killing Cockroaches about letting things go um, I just wondered so like just give me one one thing on that about why we should just take that risk on somebody. What is it about letting something go that releases us? Yeah, 
Well, uh, that, that story from that, my book on killing cockroaches was the day that I was, uh, this is before I was in full-time ministry. And so I was working in my office. And at the time I had, uh, I don't know what the conversion is in the pounds, but I was responsible for a $20 million budget here in the U.S. And I had 150 people on my staff team. And one morning a person came into my office screaming because there was a cockroach in, in the office. And um, again, I'm thinking about all the other people that this person could have gone to rather than me being the kind of the CEO of the organization. Um, but uh, for whatever reason, I decided I, to push away from the desk. I walked across the building and I proceeded to kill the cockroach. Uh, and by the way, this is not a statement on where I fall on animal rights. Uh, to my knowledge, to this day, that's the last animal that I actually killed. Um, but I, uh, after that occurrence, began to reflect on what, what if I did everything that came at me all the time? Um, what if I always responded to the, the highest priority decision and the lowest priority decisions that came to me? What if I tried to control every decision and every action uh, that was made? And I recognized um, I, I would maintain control, but in the process of doing that, I would limit the impact of my leadership and I would limit the Im impact and influence of the organization that I was leading because I only have so much time in a day. Mm -hmm. And that means I can only process so many decisions. I can only get so many tasks completed. And so the only way to expand my personal influence as a leader and then the impact of the organization I'm leading is to empower other leaders, to allow them ultimately to make decisions and then to take action. And so you do, you have to release leadership. You have to empower other leaders. Uh, it's not easy. Actually find that it takes more uh, intentionality to give decision-making, to give actions, to give leadership away. Uh, but ultimately that's how we can expand for us as church leaders, expand our mission in the communities uh, where we're trying to reach people for Jesus. And so have I made mistakes along the way and by maybe giving away leadership too quickly? Yes, I have. Um, and have I had to do some coaching and redirection through the years when people made poor choices, poor decisions, and maybe didn't follow through with actions that were intended? Yes, I've had to do that. All of that's part of leadership as well, though. And mm -hmm. if, you're, if you uh, continue to take control and not release, you, again, what you're choosing to do then is to reduce your influence and reduce the impact, in this case, that the church can have in people's lives. That's fantastic. So that's a little bit on the, on the people side and what we're doing to get going in a minimal kind of way. So following on from that, when it comes to a point where we're looking at how then to scale what we're doing, because, you know, we believe that healthy things um, we should have some growth or at least a turnover of people coming through who are making those first time decisions because that's what we're that's what we're looking for in this. So when it comes to the scaling, what does that look like on the the non the people piece, the in source and outsource question? 
I've seen some churches that as they start to scale, they keep everything in-house and then all the resource goes to the machine of operating and others that give everything away um, very late on. And so that it's actually then quite a painful transition because you've already staffed to things and, you know, there's a, there's a lot that comes with it. So in, in what you're in what you've seen in working with churches at all different sizes, everything from the plant to those that would be classed as a mega church, what are some of the things that perhaps are the more common to outsource and maybe some things that are the, the non-negotiables again, what should you never let go of uh, uh, in, in your opinion and from what you've seen? I may not, it may not be fair to ask me this question, Lee, because in essence, my ministry, we outsource just about everything. Yeah. Uh, so the legal work is outsourced. The finance work is outsourced. The tax accounting is outsourced. The payroll is outsourced. Uh, we outsource the coaching and consulting that we do with churches across the globe. Um, I mean, just about every, uh, our website, that the person that manages our website, site, that's outsourced. A lot of our content is outsourced that we create. Uh, so much of what we do at the Unstuck group, group, though we have a staff team, most of it, uh, in fact, is probably outsourced. And actually with churches, we see that broad bandwidth of outsourcing happening uh, as well. And so I've seen churches in the thousands that are still outsourcing their bookkeeping, as an example, they're in their financial management. And that is um, their finding. Uh, they're able to do that at a lower cost and get better management of their bookkeeping by outsourcing. Uh, I see churches outsourcing web website, web management, as an example. And same thing, they're able to get better results at a lower cost than trying to hire that onto their staff team. So generally speaking, I would, uh, I would draw the line here. If it's, a, if it's a function of an operational or administrative aspect, certainly that supports the ministry of our churches, and there's, a, there's an outsourcing option that's available, we need to pursue that. If it's a frontline ministry that's highly relational, I think those are the areas that we need to be raising up volunteers mm -hmm. initially and then ultimately hiring staff um, to help us in that, the relational aspects of ministry. It's, it's much more difficult, obviously, to outsource relational um, connection in our church ministries. And so that's the, if we can focus more resources in those areas of our ministry and outsource more of the administrative operational functions in our churches, I think that's going to be the best stewardship of the limited resources that every church has in the long run. Yeah. And I'll, I'll touch on that. It's part of the, um, if you want high skill for one of those areas, it's just repeated like accounting and your bookkeeping and certain things um it's like your hr and health and safety yeah there's always an aspect that you need to outwork yourselves on the ground because you still have responsibility to make sure you've collected the paperwork or that you've noted things that need doing but it's very difficult to keep somebody up to date with all of the right accreditation and the training and the changes in what's legal and actually that that's part of a church stewarding well 
and um, glorifying God is actually doing these things right. And so sometimes passing those out to an expert, it might be that little bump of initial cost where it seems too much, but further down the track, it's, it's more manageable. And if it's off your plate, then you're not killing a cockroach either. So That's right. Hopefully, hopefully that is some food for thought for people that have uh, tuned in and listened to this one. So Tony, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Lee. Well, a massive thank you to Tony Morgan for joining us for this week's episode. And thank you, listener, for joining us as well. We love having you on board and we hope that this podcast is really helpful to you. Talking about things that are helpful to you, don't forget that if you want to get your building reopened, then we have a post-COVID checklist that will just go through all the things you need to think about for reopening your building. We will see you again with another episode next week. Take care.